0: Hello there, friends, and welcome to another special edition of the Accidental Tomatoes podcast. I'm your host, Joe Webb. I'm here with our erstwhile co-host, Brad Davis. Uh, And today you might notice um, a little kind of background noise. This is the first uh, official road show with Brad and Joe, right? Um, We are uh, on the highway on our way home from uh, Asheville, North Carolina. Where we have just got done attending the UMC Lead Conference, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about what Lead is uh, here in just a few minutes. But Brad, what do you think? The first Roadshow episode. What do you the, think? The Brad and
1: Joe <coughs> Traveling
0: Roadshow. I'm here. for it. That's us. I'm That's here
1: us. For it. Yeah. I26 Podcast.
0: The I26 <laughs> Podcast. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah. So we. There will be, I'll just give you some warning up front, um, you know, road noise is a real thing. We're not trying to do this uh, in a studio setting. Um, but we just, as we were leaving the conference, um, thought we would just share some of our thoughts uh, with y'all and some of the things we picked up and some of the ideas that were um, sparked and inspired by uh, by this conference. So, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I don't know, Brad, is there anything uh, particular that you want to start with? Or There's so much to unpack. Yeah, yeah.
1: So much to process, right? Um, I was just thankful to be in, in that space for the last couple of days and just make connections with like minded folks. Yeah, yeah. Folks who are, you know, sort of sharing the same dream, sharing the, the same vision for God's kingdom. Uh, it was just, it was a special time. And, and Asheville, I mean,
0: what cooler place could you have? Somewhere? Oh, I know, right? Yeah, yeah. Asheville just is such a cool town. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Uh, it, yeah, so it, a town like Asheville with a lot of breweries spoke to our hearts certainly. Um, a lot of great food, and it, but a, an atmosphere like that is conducive uh, to having the kinds of conversations we had. One of the one of the ideas that um, kind of occurred to me as I was listening to some of the talks. <clears throat> excuse me. That in the the whole conference is a series of. Like TED style talks, I, I should stop for a minute and explain to the folks um, that I am suffering from what we call the Ohio Valley crud. Uh, so my voice is not what it normally is. So if you're a cough or, or a hoarse throat, um, it's just because uh, I've just got a little um, sinus issue going on. But anyhow, one of the um, one of the things that I wrote down that occurred to me as I was listening to these kind of TED style talks was um, that the role of the pastor in today's world has changed. Um, and, and we need to start thinking, uh, our pastors need to start thinking of themselves, not as the people who are there to provide answers, but as the people who are there to help other people ask better questions. Yes. Um, and that's kind of what we're all about at Accidental Tomatoes anyhow. But uh, I don't know, Brad, What is how does that resonate with you? Well, yeah, as
1: a pastor, as someone
0: who's serving in pastoral
1: ministry, I, I love that because that's sort of... Without having the language to put to it, like we heard, that's sort of how I view my role. And sort of how I view my role as a pastor is not not to give my folks the answers, but again, like 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 you just said, to create space to allow for good questions, good theological reflection to take. Place, right. Yeah, so, yeah. And to to help us to grow closer uh, in, in our faith, to grow closer to the divine. Uh, sort sort of like you know, more in the in the vein of being a spiritual guide.
0: Yeah, right? yeah. Which
1: I think, and, and you know, God is God is a mystery for a reason. <laughs> yeah, yes, <Yeah. laughs> because. Because we, with our finite minds, have, we do, we lack the capacity to fully understand the infinite. Um, so, we don't have all the answers. And I think we, as clergy, and just we, as people of faith in general, need to start naming that and admitting that rather than yeah. thinking that somehow if i don't have the right answer if i don't have
0: all the answers
1: then somehow i i lack faith
0: right 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 yeah and and i think maybe one of the things that made me think about that was just the way the conference itself is set up and so we had i don't know what did we have like nine different talks i think over the course of two days that we heard um but none of them were from people who would be like expert. They're from practitioners, right? They're from folks who are um, trying uh, innovative things out in the field, right, of ministry and and, it, and it's clergy people and it's lay people um, and it's and it's mostly United Methodists. But there's you know some dom- denominational diversity within that too. Um, but one of the things I noticed was nobody came to the stage, um, really, you know purporting that they were going to be able to answer a bunch of difficult questions. What they did, um, was just prompt a lot more questions, like how can we think more deeply about these things, Um, especially like in what we would call the inherited church, right, Right. where we really don't even ask questions about why we do what we do, why we think the way we think, why we believe the things we believe. Um, and, And to have a conference like this that just sort of opens up that space to say, what did you ever look at it this way? Did you ever think about... This group of people and their circumstances. Um, and so I just, I say all that to kind of lead into, you know, you gave one of our talks here at, at the conference, uh, a Holler Gospel talk. Um, but we heard not just from you, but from, from some of the other speakers about what does a theology of place look like? What does a theology of land look like? Those are things we don't think about right. normally in the church. So how did, how did all of those things strike yeah, you? Yeah, you know, we
1: don't, we, we don't think about nor talk about them in the church start talking about him because you know, I'm struck by the um, uh, the, the talk that the one gentleman had on, on day one Austin uh you know the existing in the bothness right that, yeah that, that really, and I think something that you spoke to um, and prodded that thought is is that when we think stop asking questions and think we have all the answers and thoroughly believe that faith is just a black versus white thing. Faith is just black or white. There's a right answer and a wrong answer. Yes, yes. There's no gray area between those answers. That's when we get in trouble. Uh, And and, and to a large extent, this probably probably speaks to um, some of the deeper issues that we're suffering now as a church. Um, but yeah, the, the, theology of place, theology of land, how do we as faith communities who, who own land, use that land to, to leverage justice? Right? Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, by the way, speaking of theologies of place, uh, I just have to say this up front. Number one, how how amazing it was to have this conference in the heart of Appalachia. Yes, yeah. Number one. And two, not only to have an Appalachian city hosting the conference, but to have um, an Appalachian, traditional Appalachian faith music. Yes. Yes. In our worship services, uh, that just listen that that conjured up the ancestors for me.
0: I told this somebody, way. I told somebody this morning after uh, when when our worship leader uh, played the orange blossom special yes. on the mandolin, which I'd never heard before. I said, <laughs> "This is Brad's walk-on music." <laughs> it's like coming to the plate right now.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, it, it was fantastic. Uh, just just a great time. But, yeah, um, just you know, understanding not only who we are as people of faith, but understanding where we are. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 I, and I don't think we do a good job of answering those questions. We're seeking but to ask those questions about, you know, because the gospel is going to be different. The gospel is going to look different. Evangelization, being the church, being people of faith is going to look different in different contexts. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so we need to have an understanding not only of who we are as the as God's people, but where we exist as God's people, because you know, the doing doing the work of the kingdom looks completely different in the free state of MacDowell County. Right where I am, than Los Angeles, where Mandy McDowell who is was one of our speakers and pastor of First Church LA, where she is located, it looks totally different, except for the fact that we still face the same issues. Yes. There's intersecting similar issues that we're facing, in no matter what context.
0: Yeah. But the people
1: and the circumstances are just different.
0: Yeah. And you, you talk a lot about, um, displacement yes. and disenfranchisement, you know, as things that play. and those. Yes, you're right. They look different in different contexts, but it's, it's the same dynamics that are play the same power systems and structures, the, yeah. the, the powers and principalities, as you like to say, right? Um, that create these, uh, these, uh, systemic problems where uh, people are exploited for the benefit you know of the few <laughs> right <laughs> you know
1: right and, and as uh, you know, I've, when I look at it the way I understand it is you know the, the, the common thread that runs through any oppressed people from any time period any age be it contemporary or historically speaking the, the common thread that they all share is that displacement, yes, and that dispossession, yes. Not only physically, but spiritually, and, 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 and a, in a in any any and every way that you can conceive you think of. So, whether you are, you know, a, a Palestinian family who is evicted off of their land and out of their home during the Nakba in 1948, or it's continuing to happen in the occupied West Bank now. Yeah, uh, Or you are a, an African who was kidnapped from your homeland and forced into enslavement. Or you are a central Appalachian uh, family who has your land swindled underneath you by a, a, a land company who uses it to open up a coal mine. We all share is completely different context, but we all share that one commonality of being displaced, yes, and dispossessed, yes. So the question that we have to ask ourselves as as people of faith who are to be about the work of of repossession, right, of mm. replacement how do we go about doing that in a just way to to repair damage that's been done in the displacement and dispossession of oppressed people and particularly the complicity that the church has played yeah, in it?
0: Yeah, yeah. That, that theme kind of came up a few times yes. um, through the talks. The, the fact that the church has... You know, complicity is the perfect word. But, you know, we, we have, uh, as, as some of our Methodist liturgy, United Methodist liturgy say, we have not heard the cry of the needy, right? right. Um, we, we have not come to the aid of exploited and marginalized people. Um, we have not been the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. Um, we've tried to purport to be the mouthpiece of Jesus. And uh, I think mostly we've gotten that wrong, too. Yeah. Um, another one of the, the notes that I made to myself, and this was from one of the early talks, I can't remember whose talk it was, but the speaker um, said this phrase, said um, being a good neighbor makes better neighbors. Come on. Yeah, right? Um, did that did that strike you? Uh, how do, and how do you see that in your context, or how might we look at that across context?
1: Yeah, well, you know, as you and I were having a discussion before before we started recording, that, you know, the church has really done a shitty job of neighboring. Yeah. Right? yeah. Uh, for a long, long time, we haven't been good neighbors. So, again, this theme of questioning, what does it look like to be a good neighbor? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, and what, and, and what what is the end result of that? Being you get better neighbors. Yeah, I, yeah, so, um,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, I had a thought. Where was I going to go with that? Um, oh, I remember where I was going to go. So, you wanna, yeah. So, in the midst of all of that, one of one of the things I was thinking about was because I filter everything through this sort of deconstructionist lens. Um, I think that that failure of the church to be a good neighbor is one of the things that a lot of folks have said is, is part of the reason why they've left, you know, if they've been part of a church community that they just said, you know, enough of it, our, our church has, has been horrible to our neighbor. How many, how many neighborhoods do we know where a church has bought an, an adjacent piece of property, um, where there maybe there was a house, maybe there was a business, but it gets torn down and turned into a parking lot to accommodate the church. How is that being a good neighbor? And you see, and that's just one example of many, but you see that kind of thing over and over. And we shouldn't be surprised that so many people have said, you know what, that's just not for me anymore. Like I, I can't really be a part of that anymore. Um, so that, that idea of, um, how, yeah. how deconstruction kind of goes along hand in hand with some of these things we're taught, talk- with the complicity of the church, which is sort of the bigger um, picture um, to this whole neighboring conversation we're having right now. The complicity in the, of the church in allowing these systems and structures of yeah. oppression and marginalization, um, either by silence. I think it was you that said it, either by silence or outright. You know, participation in the systems that you have. because
1: silence in the face of oppression, particularly by the church, is complicity. Yeah. Uh, Silence is violence, as the saying goes. Yes, indeed. Um, So, so yeah, so what does it look like, just to you as an example in my context, what does it look like for the people of faith, faith communities to be a good neighbor? Uh, in a place where our mountaintops are being lumped right where where communities because of that communities are being displaced um communities being destroyed either directly by the by the actions themselves or indirectly from resulting flooding mm-hmm. that, that that is, Fueled by mountaintop, right? Uh, what does it look like for faith communities in my context to be a to be a good neighbor to marginalized people, uh, black and brown people who are in in central Appalachia? Double right? yes, yes. Because not only are you an Appalachian, not only are you a, a coalfield person but you're also black or you're brown or you're a black woman or a brown woman, which pretty much makes you triple other- yes um how do we how do we be good neighbors to those folks how do we work to bring about justice in those situations. What does justice look like? Yeah, yeah. In those situations. Again, and again, <laughs> I got my I've got my spiritual guide mode on you know, <laughs> where where again I'm creating space to ask the questions. Yes. Because we don't have answers to these questions, right? But but we create the space to begin to formulate the answers.
0: Right. Yeah. And there's I think that kind of gets back to where we started a little yes. bit because I think you're right. The, the answers to those questions don't come from the expert in the pulpit. The answers to those questions emerge from the community yes. and, and they are, um, they're collaborative, um, kinds of things rather than th- these collusive you know, collusion sort of a symbiotic relationship, right? Right. Which, which really kind of that you, you saw where I was going because we started this conversation before we hit record. Um, but our our friend Corey Turnpenny, uh, who pastors, um, uh, what's called church of the wild in upstate New York at a retreat center, um, you know, trying to be in harmony with the natural world, um, talked, uh, during her talk about, um, engineer species, things like beavers, termites, uh, woodpeckers, you know, things, flora and fauna that create habitat for other species, right, that create this symbiotic environment for things to live in, which made me think about the reintroduction of wolves into the Yellowstone ecosystem, and so, um, and there's a cascading effect, right, And, and so if you're, just in case, Folks aren't familiar with that just briefly. What happened in Yellowstone was when they reintroduced wolves, and this is just a very kind of very brief overview. When the wolves were reintroduced to the ecosystem, um, the elk, you know, were one of their main, uh, prey species. And before the wolves, the elk would just graze wherever the elk wanted to graze, right down to the riverbanks where they would chew up all of the streamside vegetation. Well, when the wolves came back, that was a very vulnerable place for the elk to be. So the elk would spend more time in the forest, in the woods, and not, you know, browsing along the stream banks quite so much. And when the elk quit browsing the stream banks, it allowed the, um, the aquatic insects, right, to, that rely on cover along a bank to thrive, which allowed the fish in the streams to thrive, which allowed the eagles and the otters and the other species, right? So you can see this cascade effect of how the reintroduced reintroduction of one native species into a native ecosystem brought balance back to the entire ecosystem. And so that that really got me thinking, what does that look like within human communities? How can we create, um, as people of faith, as people who want to live in some kind of intentional faith community together, how do we create those sort of symbiotic spaces? So maybe that is...
1: Portrait, if you will, from from nature of what the love community yes, is yeah. supposed to look like. The the recognition, and, you know, it, it's it shouldn't be lost on us that that nature pretty much gets it right while we screw it up. Right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the 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 plants and the animals, and the trees, all living things other than human beings know, have, a, have an understanding that they're bound up together. Right. That, that, their, that their destinies, that, that their lives are bound up together in, in a communal way. And what affects one affects all. Right. Whereas we as, as selfish human beings tend to be, uh, we care less what affects everybody else as long yeah. as it benefits so,
0: What so was it? Corey said that uh, the, um, the patriarchy is the invasive species. Yes. yes. Yeah.
1: And with the native species that needs to be reintroduced, being love. Yes. A people filled with divine love. God, now you've got to start preaching now.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the native species that we need to reintroduce into the wild. Of of our communities to make our communities whole, yeah, Uh, yeah. to 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 really bring about an understanding that you know we cannot make it without each other. Mm. That and I and I may forgive me if I'm getting this wrong, but it's a Bishop Desmond Tutu talked a lot about uh, this this. South African native philosophy or way of being, I think that was known as Ubuntu. Bo-
0: yes, Ubuntu. Yeah. Yes.
1: We're, we're bound up together. Yeah,
0: I am because we are. Yeah, right? yeah, we're yeah.
1: bound up together. As what yeah. uh, you know, Dr. King, uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, you know, we are all bound up in the in, the, in a single garment of destiny. So, you know. If I harm you, I'm harming myself. Even though I'm, it may look like I'm benefiting
0: out of the harm, and I may
1: be benefiting in in the short term or in a superficial sense. But I'm really harming myself because I am destroying, not only the or, or diminishing rather, not only the image of God in you, but I'm diminishing the image of God. In you. Yes, yes. And in everything else around me. Right. Which leads to the destruction of community. Which is the antithesis of the way things God intends them to be.
0: You did preach. That's, <laughs> That's good, good stuff, stuff, man. That's No, good good no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Well, I, anything else you picked up um, from, from lead that you, you want to kind of just... We're, sort of just externally processing here with a microphone on, so. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, now I think we covered all, all of the, the top, the, the highlights for me, but it was just, again, just getting back to, uh, just being in that space, um, was, was life. Yeah, it really uh, was. And making connections with, with people who are really about the work and are committed to the work and are passionate about the work of creating that type of symbiotic community. Yes, A community that lives into our general rules as the people call methods to do no harm and to do good yes. in each and every sense of the, of the terms and in each and every way possible to, to do good. And, 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 and if we are able to do that. Um, to reintroduce right the the, the, uh, the native species of divine love in, of a divinely divine love infused people uh, that changes everything that changes the dynamics a paradigm shift yes it's, yeah it's, it becomes we become the church, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We become the people of God, yeah, right, yeah.
0: And you can use whatever language for that you want. I guess right. you know, not everybody's always comfortable with church language and God language, sure. and that's um, that's our native tongue because of you know the space yes. that we come out of. Um, but I think I really do. There's this strong sense of, that I have that um, that divine love is divine love. You can name it whatever you want to name sure. it. Yeah. Um, but the point of divine love is always for the full thriving of all of, well, not just all of humans, but all of of the cosmos, right. All of life. Yes. Um, and, and to be able to see life in each other and be able to recognize the dignity, uh, and, and the, some, some to use your phrase, right. Uh, of different people, um, you know, that might not look like us or sound like us or sing the same songs at church on Sunday morning. Um, or even show up on Sunday morning, but still want to see everybody yeah. thrive, you know, equitably and
1: equally. And, and I think when, when, we, when we are able to look upon and I know somebody, and I don't remember which of the speakers mentioned it, they were talking about the difference between seeing, seeing an I and an it. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. As far as, as, is, it, yeah. as far as work as far yeah. as looking at another human being, that you see that other human being as a fellow I or as an it? Um, and, and if we can somehow some way begin to to, to view everyone's and recognize everyone's somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, by the way, is not an original term. I got to. I'm, I'm more, that's phraseology borrowed from Reverend Doctor Kate. Uh, but to to um, to recognize the somebody, the personhood, yes, to recognize the personhood in everybody, every single person, and and the divine worth within, beyond persons in every living thing. Then you know that's when we create the opportunity to actually, to well, to actualize the love community, mm-hmm. and to and 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 maybe not actualize, but approximate the kingdom of God. Yes. Right. Um, and and until we do that, then what are we really doing? <laughs>
0: Yeah, great, uh, great question. Um, well, friends, uh, so we we uh, we do have plans to to reach out to some of the speakers that we heard from uh, at the UMC League Conference and have them as guests here on Accidental Tomatoes. Um, so over the next. Uh, several months, you know, as we go through 2023 here, uh, creating new episodes. Um, Look forward to hearing from some of those folks and sharing some of these ideas um, in a lot more depth and detail than what Brad and I were able to cover just in sort of a roadshow conversation here but um, as always friends we're grateful uh, that you tuned in for this episode of the podcast um, please give us a rating review wherever you listen to your podcasts and uh, if you have questions or suggestions um, you can email us at accidentaltomatoes at gmail.com or find us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram just do a search for Accidental Tomatoes we'll pop right up and drop us a note we'd love to hear from you and so Until next time, everyone, keep on growing outside the fences. And join us again for another brand new episode of the Accidental Tomatoes podcast. Maybe an episode from the road. Maybe another road show. Uh, Yes, indeed. Thanks, everyone.